The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host Corbin Ford. You know me. You love me. Is it too soon to say that? You know him. You love him. It's is it is it too soon to say that? Anyways, you can find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out HoopBall. As I always say, hoop-ball.com online on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Definitely, definitely make sure to look at these guys. I'm telling you, they're cranking out new stuff almost every day. I blink, and I'm like on Twitter all the time, but I'm not always like a tweeter all the time. But I blink, and there's a new feature. You know, I look, and oh, HoopBall's doing this. Oh, HoopBall just made a a second trip to Mars. That's what's going to be on the next headline. Okay, I'm a little exaggerating, but, like, check this out. I was on Twitter just randomly looking at NBA stuff because that's what I do during my lunch breaks or whatever, right? And I saw a tweet by one of the, the many, uh, well, one of the great uh, members of the Hoopball, one of the senior members of Hoopball. Not, that sounds a little wrong, doesn't it? I think of Aaron Bruski and I think of Dan Bespris when I think of Hoopball. So, anyways, one of the found, found whatever. I'm just going to leave it alone. Dan Bespris on Twitter, one of the great ones, Fancy NBA Today. Check that out. He was on Twitter, and he was saying that, oh, by the way, just randomly, uh, myself, Adam Shrochi, um, Adam King are doing a What to Watch for live on YouTube uh, for free. Come in, you know, participate, everything. I'm simply going, like, a What to Watch for, like, like, for, like, fantasy? You know, like, basically taking their Twitter threads that they do all the time and putting them, like, virtually for people to come and check out and i was like that is crazy that is wild and it was brand new they they must have been playing already but they're like we're unveiling this whole new feature to hoop ball and i'm like you know what that's why hoop ball is bomb they stay innovating they stay trying to make things happen and this is again where i tell you how to check out the hoop ball 360 one more time because there's so much there that i like you can do the hoop ball fantasy pass which is Full season fantasy tools and coverage, the draft guide, the early Bruce 150, all of that. You can do the wager pass, which is just getting winnering, winners and wagering advice from the pros in all sports, not just hoop ball like basketball, but football and soccer and all this other stuff that I have no idea. You can get that as well. But the hoop ball 360 for just $12.99 a month. $12.99 a month is, is what is that? That's uh, what? A whopper meal with like an extra shake and some fries every month? But, like, with the potential to get, like, value added, <laughs> okay? Like, you get a return on that. With HoopBall360, you get the Fantasy Pass. You get the Wager Pass. You get the Bruce Hugh 150 You get the Discord server. That is just bomb. It's awesome. It, you get everything you want. All of it. I, I just don't see why you wouldn't do it. It's a great deal. Uh, and, and there's no reason for you to miss out if you don't have to. And you really don't have to, so get on that. Anyways, we had some fun basketball two nights ago. Now, the reason we're here the next night is because I have, and this is a look into the personal life of Corbin, had a really bad cavity, right? It was in between two teeth. Don't had, I have. And, you know, I was taking care of it, monitoring it, went to the dentist, saw much of the pay, went, whoa, I'll be back, right? I made a horrible business decision to eat a piece of fried chicken that just happened to, like, hit on that same side of my mouth. And, oh, the pain was excruciating. It just kept going. So that was like an instant no talking last uh, two nights ago. And tonight, like, it still hurts a lot, but I have credit to the moms, you know, shout out to the moms because I have myself 
uh, was told to make some clove water and some salt water to toughen the gums and some salt to, you know, get all in there. So I'm able to talk. Still a lot of pain, but like if two nights ago was 11 out of 10 in pain, tonight's like, or la- tonight's like a, let's say like a six, which is more than manageable. And honestly, if I'd been a lot more on uh, keeping on my medication today, it'd be like a two or a three. So really no complaints here. But we had some good basketball. And I really want to dive into that. Uh, first off, it was the game of the night. And I think honestly, this game, yeah, we're reaching back, really was for my money right now, the best game of the season that we've had so far. And we've had a few. And what's funny is that all of them have involved the Nets. <laughs> you could take that Nets-Cavs game, that double overtime game where Colin Sexton went off. You could take that Nets-Wizards game from over the weekend where, you know, Russell Westbrook with a crazy shot, but the comeback and everything there. Or you could take two nights, two nights ago, in the game that was played between the Nets and the Clippers, where you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George versus just the terrific trifecta of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. The Nets prevailed 124 to 120 in a game that went down to the wire. It was an amazing game. It was just a lot of fun. Uh, Irving took over in the fourth. Uh, really, he, he took over. They all took turns, but Irving scored 39, made some clutch shots, and it was helpful that the Clippers did not have Pat Beverly to at least somewhat holding him in check. Uh, especially as Irving went off, scored eight straight in the fourth quarter. This was a bomb game, and it wasn't just him. Durant had 28 points. Harden had 23 points, 14 assists, and 11 rebounds. His fifth triple-double in nine games with the Nets. But it was it was just exciting. It was great competition, top players, national TV. You couldn't miss it. It lived up to its billing. On the Clippers' side, Kawhi Leonard scored 33. Paul George had 26 the Clippers had game into this game with NBA's best record. This was only their second loss in 12 games. The Clippers had a five-point lead midway through the fourth before Durant hit a three-pointer, then Irving hit one of his own, then he made a basket, then he had another three, then Harden finished off with another three, and that made it a 110 game, 110 to 102 game with about four minutes left. But even then, the Clippers got it back down to one with the real clutch three-pointer from Paul George on the left side of the court before Irving made some free throws, and this is where I think it got fun. So... You had that one-point game. Uh, what Steve Nash did was have, was the inbound of the ball, had Jeff Green leak out, like, toward the basket. Like, far side, you know, out the other side of basketball, everyone's trying to get open. So, you had the Clippers so focused on Durant, on Irving, on others, that James Harden was able to just throw a Hail Mary football pass down the court to Jeff Green, who was able to make the layup and get the foul from Richie Jackson because Clippers were so behind the play, they had to come back and foul, you know, not intentionally as they were there, right? bomb now Jeff Green didn't miss the free throw but then Steve Nash again nice play fouling before they were able to get off a three-point attempt the Clippers which was able to kind of keep that margin and really have the Clippers playing uh, a game uh, against not just the Nets but also against the clock and they ultimately lost both didn't help that Nicholas Batum uh, he had gotten fouled missed a free throw he wanted to make and then made a free throw he wanted to miss <laughs> and that closed it out but this this was this is a bomb game. I just had to talk about it. And, and mind you, give some love to Nick Batum. Uh, he scored 21 points. So there you go. And, uh, yeah, Brooklyn scored 30 or more points. This is the ninth straight quarter they've done that. Uh, and it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. This was their, This was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the Clippers then went on to beat the Cavs last night um, in the final game of their road trip. And the Nets will host the Toronto Raptors uh, two days from now and what should be or tomorrow, I mean, and what should be a fun game there. But I had to reflect on that game because watching it, 
and and you see a lot of this type of what is the word I'm looking for? Like, you get these two top teams. You know, the last time I remember, and there's been a bunch in between that, but the last game I remember where you had a hyped-up game that lived up to what it was supposed to be was that 2016 Christmas game. Or, yeah, 2016 Christmas game between the Cleveland Cavs and the Golden State Warriors. 2016-2017. Remember, the Warriors had just acquired Kevin Durant. The Cavs had just finished beating the Warriors in that finals. We all know it. And that game went down to the wire, finished with a clutch Kyrie shot, and that, 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 that sneer that he did to the crowd. You had two great Richard Jefferson dunks. You had some clutch shot making from KD, who looked almost immediately invincible. It was a fun game. It was a very fun game. That is the one game that comes to mind whenever I think of a game that lived up to his billing in that back and forth. And with the Clippers versus Nets, we got one. And I'm very much interested in seeing how... Uh, not only do they look when they match up again in a couple weeks, but also how the Nets continue to try to find their way. Because defensively, this team is horrific. I I can pull the numbers on it right now. So the Nets sit 27th in defensive rating. 27th. That's pretty bad. I mean, obviously a third in offensive rating, but 27th defensively? No. I mean, basically, if you're an opposing team and you don't have 90 points on the Nets through three quarters, you really need to evaluate how your offense runs. That's that's how I look at it. Do you need to really look back <laughs> on how your offense is run and what is leading you to not generate efficient offense against a Brooklyn Nets team that isn't even really trying, uh, I would say, I guess, right up until their game against the Clippers, to put together several possessions in a row of strong defense. I mean, I'm not even kidding. That's really what it is. <laughs> Looking at... The opponents uh, that the Nets have faced over the last couple of games. So, Cleveland dropped 147 on them. Then they dropped 125. Miami dropped 124. Then they had a good grinded out game, 98-85. A win over Miami. Then Atlanta dropped 128. Oklahoma City, 125. Washington, 149. And then, of course, LA, 120. Like, you're getting... You're getting your points. You're getting your points. That's that's basically what it comes down to when you bring up opponents for the Nets. And I guess it moves to an interesting question. Because defense is obviously their Achilles heel, right? Offensively, you know you're going to be set when you have a, a guy in Kevin Durant second in scoring, when you have a guy in Kyrie and a guy in James Harden, all who could easily hum the offense for their own teams, but together in the same team, kind of pick your poison on that end, right? So you have that. Defensively, you know the issue there. When you take that into consideration, a team with such strong strengths and such weak weaknesses, when you look at the Eastern Conference, who do you think comes out of that? And this is probably a uh, it's probably a topic for its own podcast, have some guests on, but like really quickly, just kind of fleshing it out a little bit. Obviously, you have at the very top of the ladder right now the Philadelphia 76ers. They sit at 16-6. and 10-1 and at home. Spotty away, 8-2 and two in their last 10. 76 have been bomb. Joel Embiid's playing like an MVP, and when he's on the floor, 76ers are great. When he's off the floor, the 76ers are, are terrible. Ben Simmons, the numbers look okay, but if you look at his games, he's had strong performances, and those games where his passivity comes into play, they still exist. They haven't really gone anywhere. They just have stopped every once in a while. When Seth Curry plays, they're great, but I don't trust their bench. Ultimately, I like the blueprint of the team they have around 
Joel Embiid, which is basically Ben Simmons and a bunch of shooters. When you do that, almost like that uh, 2019 year, 2018-2019 year, when you do that around the 76ers, you have a chance of success. That 2019-2020 year, probably no. That, that, that 76ers team was like the equivalent of the 2019 Lakers, where you say, let's take a good thing, surrounded by something that hasn't proven to work, and let's try to make it happen. No. Please, my problem with that. Joel Embiid, for as strong as he's playing, I feel like you can scheme a little easier to make him less effective. Make it harder for him to get the ball in his favorite spots. Double relentlessly force him to kick out. Put pressure on other guys to create plays. Put pressure on Ben Simmons to make a shot. You know, like, I don't think it's that, quote-unquote, hard. But then I look at teams next to 76ers. I mean, if you look at the Bucks, they have someone who can play reasonably well with Brooke Lopez, right? Look at the Nets. Who do they have to stop Joel Embiid? Who? DeAndre Jordan? Not that Jared Allen was that much better, but at least you could platoon the spot. After that, you're looking at Jeff Green, and that's that's a mismatch if there ever was one. That matchup against Philadelphia is going to be very interesting because I don't see how they do that. But then on the defensive end, the 76ers, do they have the wings necessary to stop these guys? Yes, they have Danny Green. Yes, they have Motis Stiebel. You know, Seth Curry is, is scrappy, is feisty. But this is Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant we're talking about. These are like the upper tier of offensive savants. There's levels to this. And I don't know if, you know, on a man, the 76ers have enough defenders to guard these guys for sustainable periods and keep them, quote-unquote, in check. Look at the Bucks. The Bucks second, 13-8. Giannis, I mean, I guess he's still playing on the MVP Canada's numbers are good. But it's not just the narrative that is against Giannis this time for MVP. It's just that he hasn't been as impactful in my mind. Now, is that because you're having strong seasons from Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday? If you're Milwaukee, yeah, sure. I mean, for the season, Giannis is averaging 27 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists a game. On 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 his head, that's great, right? He is shooting 28% from three and 60% from the free throw line, which is actually an improvement. So that's not super great. And you look back and you're like, yeah, this is not what you want, you know? Granted, the Bucks have been okay. They've kind of gone up and down mixing this, you know, new roster they have, and that's why I think their weakness stands right now. I like their bench at this point. I like their bench in regular season. I like the Bucks in the regular season. In the playoffs, I think you have another guy in Drew Holiday who can be in the creator, who can get his own shot, who can shoot from three, you know, maybe um, serve as a release valve for Giannis to get to the rim. But I don't see any changes by Mike Budenholzer outside of playing Giannis and um, Chris Middleton more minutes. That made me think they've learned anything from previous stops. This is my question. How are they going to adapt? And again, I'm going to flesh out this a little bit later. So this is just like a run through here, but I'm just kind of throwing this out here trying to think this through with y'all like I, I i don't know if you put the bucks against the 76ers i think it's a good matchup put the bucks against the nets i think that's a good matchup do you like the bucks chances going away in winning it i don't know bucks are nine and two at home also spotty away four and six on the road they're six and four in their last ten so they did totally cream the pacers last night celtics at 11 and nine celtics are I want to reserve judgment for now. Uh, Kemba Walker has just come back a couple games ago. He's still looking slow at the gate. You look at a guy like Jason Tatum, who had been out for the last couple weeks with COVID. He's back. 
Jalen Brown has stepped up in a major way in their absence. Uh, when I say the guy stepped up, he's looking like an all-star. And I don't even think that that is any type of under... Like, that's no type of exaggeration. Uh, 26 points a game, 50% shooting from the field, 42% from three, five rebounds, three assists. He had 28 against the Lakers on 13-19 shooting. Had a bit of a down game against the Warriors, 18 points to 8-20, then bounced back against the Kings in a loss still, 21 points, four assists, three rebounds. Just 24, guys. That's something else. Mid-range uh, shooting right now is at a crazy high efficiency that's more than likely unsustainable, but the fact that you can go to that with confidence, even when it regresses back to its mean, that mean looks pretty good right now. So... There you have that. Their big situation, not sure if I'm really a big fan. Actually, I am sure. I'm not a fan of Brad Stevens playing both Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson in the front court. Just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Jeff Teague off the bench for the Celtics. Uh, I'm not the worst Jeff Teague-like detractor, but a lot of people are like, why? So there you go with that. But yeah. And after that, you got the Pacers. And the Pacers are fifth, and that's exactly where I see them in this ranking. Like, I don't see them really going higher up the challenge for supremacy at the top. You know, and it's some of that, you know, they've sustained some injuries. Um, they lost to Victor Oladipo. They do have Karis LeVert, but obviously with everything going on, he's going to be out indefinitely. They're 12 and 10, 7 and 6, uh, or 5 and 4 and 6 in the last 10, 7 and 6 on at home, 5 and 4 away. You know. DeMontis Zabon has been playing well. Miles Turner is definitely Defense Player of the Year. Uh, I don't even want to say candidate. I think he's going to be Defense Player of the Year. Simple as that. He's been very impactful on that end. But they're still trying to put together, you know, um, minutes, rotations, just how it all comes in. And there's games where they just get smacked in the mouth and they don't come back. You know, they have moments of fight, moments of scrappiness. But that Bucks game, I mean, they had a brief rally in the third quarter and the Bucks were like, that's enough. We are done here. You know? <laughs> so it was interesting. I'm not sure. I'm going to have a guest on to try to break this down and try to figure out kind of together what we make of this lineup. But if I'm looking at the East, even with the Nets' horrible defense and, like, horrible defense, I have them my favorites right now. I have Brooklyn my favorites to come out of the East. Be Brooklyn, then Philadelphia, because I like the way they've played, then Milwaukee, then Boston. It remains to be seen how it all works out, but when I look at it right now, that's where I'm at. So, there's your uh, preliminary uh, Eastern Conference uh, power rankings at the top, at least. <laughs> Going to yesterday's games, uh, Philadelphia beat Charlotte 118-111. to uh, Let's just be real. Charlotte had nobody to stop Joel Embiid. All due respect, Cody Zeller is not a Joel Embiid stopper. He just isn't. The Clippers beat the Cavs pretty handily after uh, the third quarter, 121-99. to Paul George played well. Kawhi Leonard did what Kawhi Leonard does. It was just a solid game. 9-14 shooting for Kawhi Leonard, 25.6 rebounds, 24.6 rebounds, 3 assists. 65% shooting from Paul George on 13-20, 36 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists. Paul George went 8-9 of nine from 3. Uh, 8 of 9 from 3. This guy is definitely going for that 50-40-90 right now. He had one or two blip games over his last five. I guess we could say three. Two of eight against Oklahoma City on the 24th of January. Three of nine against Orlando on the 29th of January. And then one of eight against the Knicks on the 31st. Then he went three of seven, and then he went eight of nine. The guy is still shooting lights out. And his efficiency outside of the OKC game has been on fire. 
this guy is something else. Paul George is uh is playing well. And when you have that happening at like a career level, and Kawhi Leonard playing just as strong, you wait for the return of Pat Beverly, but Reggie Jackson's been holding it down in his stead. Yeah, this is. I mean, the Clippers team is is, is a scary like battling for the for the very top Western Conference supremacy. I'm not gonna go there yet. I'm not gonna go there yet. What's another show? Gotta break it up a little bit. I gotta gotta break it up a little bit. But uh, as a Lakers fan, I'll tell you, I'm worried about the Clippers. Nicholas Batum. I mean, this guy looked washed. I was convinced he was done. Like, I was hedging so hard when he was let go from Charlotte. I was like, listen, the guy's washed. We saw what he did in Charlotte. That being said, he went to the Lakers. I would like him as like a bit piece, you know, someone who can kind of move the ball a little bit, shoot the ball a little bit, do everything a little bit. I was, I was, you know, kind of hedging my bets there. I did not expect this. Such strong play. It was initiated just a little. Mostly get down, knock his shots down, play competent defense across a variety of defenders. Very good play for Nicholas Batum. This Clippers team, man. Wow. Well, what is there to say right now? Good balance. Good balance. Decent depth. Knicks. They're on a slide. They bounce back. Beat Chicago 107-103. Miami has been slipping. They're 7-14. And they lost to the Washington Wizards. Yeah, I didn't kid you. They lost to the Washington Wizards 103-100. And it's not even like the Wizards played any kind of crazy game. They just played better than Miami. Bradley Beal, 32 points, 11-23 shooting, 4-11 of 11 from 3, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, okay? Troy Brown, 9 points. He got um, 21 minutes, so I bring him up. It's been a minute since he's been unleashed. Uh, 7 rebounds, had an assist as well. Looking at other guys who chipped in alongside Bradley Beal on the scoring front. Look at Denny Advija, 13 points, 4 rebounds, 11 points for Rihachi Murrow, along with 9 rebounds and 5 assists. Good kind of all-around game from him, even if the shooting numbers are not great. 3 of 11, yikes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ish Smith, speaking of yikes, 6 assists, right? 4 rebounds, awesome. No points. And not really for a lack of trying. 0 of 8 from the field. Couldn't buy a bucket. But all that together was pretty good. Wizards shot 40% from 3, and that was able to outlast the Miami Heat team that shot 34% from 3 and was led by Tyler Hero. <clears throat> Tyler Hero had 20 points. Uh, two rebounds, that was it. Uh, missed a three under duress, that would have tied the game. Jimmy Butler, 5 of 11. Got to the free throw line like he does. 9 of 11 from there. 19 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, Man with a bio, 17 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. And then Goran Dragic, 10 points and 4 assists. And that was really it for the Miami Heat in terms of just regular production. They just didn't have it. They ran out of gas. It was a nip and tuck game until it wasn't. Uh, the Wizards have been resilient. And if you look at Miami, the Miami's not been resilient. You know, I don't understand it. Uh, Eric Spolster said, and I'm going to quote, there's some points in the game that you can't even explain. Look, everyone's disappointed. Everyone's uncomfortable. We all, staff and player alike, we want to be better than what we've shown. I mean, this was a Wizards team that is coming to the night allowing an NBA worst 121 points per game. Miami led by 10 and a half, and they turned just the other way and lost. The last time they led at 10 and a half, they turned those two into blowout wins. This one, not a chance. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and I watched some of this game. It was 68-55 when Tyler Hero opened a third quarter three-pointer. And then, after that, Miami missed 11 straight shots in the third quarter. They went 0-4 on shots to tie or take the lead in the last minute of the game. So, yeah. Not super great. A little, little bit of history, though, for you. Uh, Bradley Beal, 
uh, his 15th point last night gave him 12,000 for his Washington career. He's been the second player to score that many for the franchise, leaving joining only Elvin Hayes with 15,551. Beal is also the 21st player in NBA history with 40 consecutive games of at least 20 points. Now, these two teams will meet again Friday in Miami, so we will see a rematch, uh, see if Miami can bounce back with necessary fire, see what Washington looks like when they have when they have um, Russell Westbrook back. Maybe they can string together this into a, a little bit of a, a win, a, a two-game win streak? Possibly? We'll see. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma City beat Houston 104-87. Houston had went 28-42 in their last victory um, from three-point range, and then they turned around and went 14-46 in this one. Just not a good game. Victor Oladipo uh, just stunk it up off the joint. Said afterwards it was his fault. He takes responsibility for it. Um, needs to come better, you know, mentally, physically. You know, you want to see that from one of your star players on a team that, you know, is trying to grind. Hey, I dropped the ball. We'll, we'll bring it back, right? Sacramento beat Boston the fun one, 116-111. Ty- Tyree Taliburn, y'all. Like, it's him and Lonzo Ball for Rookie of the Year. And as much as Lonzo Ball has, like, an edge here, I am really, 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 really high on Halliburton right now. So high on him. I just love the way the kid plays. New Orleans, man, they came up on all cylinders. They whooped Phoenix 123-101 uh, after the second half. It was kind of over before it started. At one stretch, the Pelicans hit four consecutive threes uh, coming out of a timeout in the fourth, and really Phoenix just folded after that. And the Spurs beat the Timberwolves 111-108. DeMar DeRozan playing closer, coming up clutch for the Spurs. He finished the game with 30 points on 52% shooting, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. So, really good from him. Spurs are sitting 12-10. and 10. They're a competent-looking basketball team. Defensively, not great. Offensively, not great. But, like, they're okay altogether. They're 17th in offensive rating, 17th in defensive rating, 17th in net rating. Just middle of the pack, if there was a team. And, you know, right now, that works for them. They're still not a team that you want to face. They just got to string together a, an identity. And so we'll see how that looks. All right, looking at tonight's games. All times Eastern, as I always say. 7.30, you have an interesting one between the Jazz and the Hawks. Donovan Mitchell, averaging 23 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists versus Trey Young, who's, you know, one up, you know, 26 points and 9 assists. Then TNT at 7.30 as well. You have the Warriors versus the Mavericks. Luka Doncic versus Stephen Curry. That should be fun. Uh, what's funny about this, Stephen Curry averaging 28.2 points per game, Luka right behind at 27.2. Should be interesting to see that game. Trailblazers will play the 76ers. Uh, Blazers have been hit hard by injuries. Damian Lillard's questionable. Uh, they have a lot of guys. Derek Jones Jr. is out. You name them, and more than likely they're not able to play for the Blazers. So we'll see how this team looks against the 76ers team. That is on the second half of back-to-back. The Rockets. We playing the Grizzlies at 9. Houston again. Second half of back-to-back. The Grizzlies scrappy at 9-7. and seven. And then on TNT at 10, to close out the game proceedings, is the Denver Nuggets versus the Los Angeles Lakers. It's going to be really interesting to see Nikola Jokic versus LeBron James battle. We want to see how the Lakers look against a team like the Nuggets with their big situation. How that matches up, uh, I think it's a good one for Marc Gasol. I'm interested to see how Dennis Schroeder and guys step up. Should be a very fun game to watch. All right, y'all. Well, that will do it here for another edition of Round Ball Ramble. You know where to find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure you check out HoopBall, Hoop-Ball.com online. And then on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. We'll be back tomorrow. Got a guest. 
break down uh, some uh, interesting topic that came up uh, while we were talking a couple of days ago regarding the NBA and some teams. So we'll get into that soon. But until then, I am kind of frosty. A little bit in pain right now, but I'm kind of frosty. Y'all stay frosty, please. And I will talk to y'all tomorrow. <laughs> right, this has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.